Thank you, Jay and team. Wow, those, uh, that music has a message all on its own, so thank you guys very much. That's... Thank you. Good morning, everybody. Uh, I'm Buzz Brown, one of the pastors on staff. You're filling in for Pastor Greg, who is finishing up his last week of vacation. He'll be back at the helm tomorrow morning, actually. So uh, he's had a good break, and it'll be good to get him back here. But in the meantime, uh, you get me today. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I have a confession to make. Um, so those of you, some of you came in today and, you know, I greeted you and, and you said, how are you doing, Buzz? And I said, great. Well, that's not really true. So that's kind of, that's a bit of a lie. Um, actually, what's going on is I had, uh, I had a day off on Friday and I was helping my son do some uh, some work on, in his home, so we were doing. So we were putting in a new floor in a room, and uh, so I was up and down off the floor about eighteen thousand times, and so I I've discovered some new muscles. Let's put it that way, and uh, uh, I, those five steps over there to get up onto the stage that's a that's a that's a big that's a big task today. Matter of fact, if I drop anything, it's just going to have to stay on the floor because bending over is 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 not going to be so good. Uh, but the one thing about, you know, my, my soreness from doing this, that new, using new muscles that I haven't used in a while, those are going to, I think, those are going to heal up. But some of you, uh, some of us here, are we're dealing with stuff that we don't know if it's going to heal up, right? We've got some aches and pains. We've got, uh, so some of you have bad knees, bad hips, bad shoulders, bad wrists, bad necks, um, some of us have migraines, We're dealing with that. Got, some of us have blood pressure problems, diabetes, asthma. And the list could go on and on and on, right? Uh, and I haven't even mentioned the, the, the C word yet uh, because we know that there are some of us in here are dealing with cancer. Um, some of us maybe have dealt with cancer, but... Once you've dealt with cancer, you kind of always remember the cancer, right? It's kind of always there. And that that sort of translates to another type of suffering that we can do, the mental suffering. And some of us are suffering from that as well. Um, We may have, uh, maybe we've got something that runs in the family, and we haven't caught it yet or haven't had it yet. And we're thinking it's kind of in the background. We think, oh, maybe when's my turn? When's that coming? And so that can be another form of suffering that we have. Perhaps, uh, perhaps your marriage is in trouble. And you're suffering through the anxiety of where that's at and where that's going. Those of you that are parents, there's a whole new kind of suffering that goes along with being a parent, Right? Uh, sometimes it happens when their kids are little and maybe they're, they see something that's maybe not quite right with one of our kids or they don't seem to be learning well or something's going on and we ache inside. And that may not change as they grow older and maybe they grow up and they start, they kind of go their own way away from the family or away from how you would have them to live and, and you see that they're heading for trouble and you ache inside and you suffer that way as well. So there's a lot of suffering that, uh, that we encounter. 
And today as we dwell into, dive into this section of Romans, as we continue our march through Romans that we've been on now for about a year uh, intermittently, uh, this next section deals with the idea of suffering. And as Pastor Greg started off talking about uh, in, our, in being secure, uh, he talked about how it's not what gives you security, but who gives you security. That was week one. And week two, uh, uh, Pastor Brian, our youth pastor, uh, talked about our security as being adopted sons of the Father and having that as an heir of the Father that we have security in that. So today we're going to be talking about how we are secure even in our suffering. As a matter of fact, our suffering is some security for us because, and this is a very important point, because all suffering, all suffering points us to future glory. All suffering points us to future glory. So before we dive into that the scripture today, would you uh, just please pray with me and we'll ask the Lord to speak to our hearts. Lord God, our Father, thank you for your written word that has been preserved through the ages for us, that as we read it and study it, we are given hope, we're given courage, and we're given information, Father. So thank you for that word. And as we study it today, uh, please help us to uh, grasp onto it in its fullness and that it will be life transforming to us in the process. Glory be to you, God, we pray in Jesus. Amen. So if you would, please pull out your Bible. If you didn't bring your Bible today, I would encourage you to grab one of the Bibles that are underneath the seats in front of you. Reach around behind you if you need to grab one because uh, we're going to be, like I said, in, in Romans and we're going to turn to chapter 8, which is on page 944 in the church Bible. So please turn there, and as I, I mentioned that this, this section continues on to what we had last week, and before I dive into this week's new material, I thought I would, uh, because there's such a great bridge from last week's stuff, that uh, I'm going to start there first. So instead of starting at 18, I must jump up to verse 16, Romans 8, beginning at verse 16. It says, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may be glorified with him. So here, here we are in this previous section introduces the topic of suffering and that we're going to be talking about here today in this next section. So let's jump into this first part of that. Verse 18, it says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. So right out of the chute, Paul is telling us that, you know, there's going to be sufferings, but you can't even compare that, them to the future glory that, that you're going to be experiencing so we, we, we actually don't even have a hint of how to, how to possibly grasp onto that other than if we look back at uh, the, in the beginning as we realize and remember that uh, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and he made the birds and the reptiles and all of the, all of the things on the earth and, and put light in the sky and separated the land from the waters and and he made mankind. And when he was done with it, it tells us here in Genesis 1.31, it says, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. 
and at the pronunciation of that we had man created his living environment created and it was perfection and man had a perfect relationship with God with each other and with and creation enjoyed perfection as well and it was all very good matter of fact we have uh, in the gospel of John and when Jesus was nearing the end of his earthly ministry he that last night and that he was with his disciples he prayed a, a long prayer that's recorded in John and a part of that he asked the father he said uh, father I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. That's, that's Jesus' prayer for us is that someday we will be with him in that and be able to experience that perfection yet once again to be able to describe that indescribable, indescribable glory that will be revealed to us. So what's happening now while we wait? Uh, we continue on in Romans chapter 8, verse 19. It says, For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. So throughout this section, it talks about waiting, but waiting eagerly. And while we are waiting eagerly, we're groaning. Now, the, the term groan here is there's a couple meanings to that. And the, one of them, I think, is when you think of someone letting out a groan, it's this deep, inarticulate sound expressing pain or grief. But I think that, the, that in this context, the groan that we're experiencing and that we experience as we suffer is, a, is kind of an internal, uh, internal suffering that, that is the result of, of some cruel or uh, unfair treatment, and we are experiencing it uh, inwardly. Well, and, and in who's groaning here? First of all, our first groaner is creation. It says that creation groans in verse 22, and also in verse 23 that mankind is groaning as well. Well, why, why would creation and mankind be groaning when they, as we said starting from the very beginning when there was perfection, perfect harmony with God and man. But then, of course, sin came into the world, right? We had the serpent tempting the woman, and she persuaded the man, and together uh, they committed the first sin and were set to, to, to experience the punishment from that. We're, we're told about that in Genesis Chapter 3, beginning of verse 17, it says, And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten the tree of which I have commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face 
you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. See, Man is cursed, and man was cursed from that point forward. Not only uh, his, he was, his work was cursed, uh, he was cursed in that he, uh, from dust he came, and he was going to die and become dust again. And in the meanwhile, he was, his life was going to be filled with aches and pains and disease and ultimately death. And on top of that, because of man, the creation was cursed as well. No wonder they're groaning together. The creation was cursed because of the acts of man. I had, uh, we were on our vacation here recently, and we, uh, we went to Atlanta, and we drove east through Columbia, and there's a, a park in Columbia called uh, Conagree National Park, and it's along, it's along the Congaree River, and it, the claim to fame for this, this park is that it's the largest intact expanse of old growth bottomland hardwood forest remaining in the southeastern United States. So when we were coming to this park, I expected to see some big trees, right? Lots of big trees. And um, what I saw, I saw, yeah, I saw some big trees, but I saw a swamp. This park is mostly swamp, and that actually is the reason why the trees are still there, because this swampland made it so difficult to harvest the trees that no one was able to get them out and, and cut them down. But I'm in and amongst the swamp. You know, a swamp is, a, is an area where there is abundant life, but there's also evidence of decay and death. So in this beautiful place, you see these beautiful, grand, uh, biggest trees in all of the southeast, and right next to them is a tipped-over tree, reminding you of this life on the one hand and death right next to it, all in the same picture, if you will, uh, pointing out that this is creation itself is moaning and groaning under the weight of man's sin and is dying. And all of this groaning, of course, is like, it's, it's said to be like the pains of childbirth, and I, which I think is a beautiful, beautiful actually way to think about that. Because if you, if you think about uh, actually the idea, and if any of you have maybe been in a maternity ward at a hospital, and you hear the cry of a woman giving birth, and she's crying out in pain, and she, you know she's in great pain, and you women know what that's all about, the great pain that you experience in that. But you also know that on the other end of that pain, it's going to all be worth it, because when you hold that, that bundle in your arms, it's all worth it. It's all worth it. And that's such a beautiful illustration of that. And I contrast that with the, the groan and the moan that I heard uh, when I visited my mother-in-law in the nursing home, and there was this one wing, and there was this, this lady in this room, and every once in a while she would just let out a groan. I don't know what her situation was, but she would just groan. And your heart just went out to her because you knew she was at the end of her life and she was in pain. But that's not the pain. We are, we are experiencing what it said is the pains of childbirth as we wait. We're waiting uh, for man to be restored. And while we're waiting, we, we are waiting, as I said, as, as adopted sons. Uh, we have been notified. We're like orphans, and we've been notified that there, uh, there's a family that wants you. The father wants you. 
And he's coming to get you. He's coming to pick you up. Get your bag packed and be ready. And so we're waiting with that kind of hope for the Father to come. Talks about that in verse, as we go on in verse 24. It says, for in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. So point three is while we're waiting eagerly for glory, we have indeed hope as a part of that wait. And it's a hope, it's, it's, it's a hope that's not simply a wishfulness. Rather, it is something that we can expect with certainty. I was thinking as we, as we got off the plane in Atlanta, we came down to, um, uh, down the concourse, and there's that last section just before you're going to leave the secured area, and everybody, they funnel everybody through one particular area because they don't want to let anybody come back through that. But as we came through that particular area, there was this roped-off area where all of these uh, people were waiting for someone to come down through there to meet them. Now, I can just imagine it because I saw there was this group of maybe four or five people that were clearly all there kind of waiting for this one person to to come down that runway um, by, and meet them. And I'm, I'm thinking, you know, these people, they don't just, you know, maybe, it, maybe it's their, their brother, Jimmy, and he's been in Los Angeles, and he's going to finally come after 20 years, and he's going to come and, and be, be back with them. And they don't just show up at the airport every day, and, well, we hope, we hope that Jimmy comes today. Let's just stand here and wait for, hope, for, hope for Jimmy to come. No, they're, they're not. They've probably been in communication with. He probably told them, I'm getting on the plane. Now, though, it looks like every, the weather's good. looks like everything is good to go. We're getting on right now, so I'll see you in Atlanta. I'll be, I'll be there. And the plane lands in Atlanta, and as soon as they let him turn on the cell phone, he turns the cell phone back on. We're on the ground. We're on the ground. I'll be there soon. I'll be there soon. We're, gonna, we're, just, com- we're just coming up to the, to the gate right now. And so they're standing there knowing that he's coming, and they're waiting. They're just peering, looking at every person that comes through there, waiting for him to come. That's the kind of expectant hope that we have as we wait eagerly for the Savior and for this return to glory. And point number four is while we're waiting eagerly for that glory, we have help as well. We're told that in verse, starting in verse 26, this is likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So we have that help as we're waiting eagerly as well. And of course, now we've under, undercovered our, our, or discovered our third groaner, and that, of course, is the Holy Spirit. And this is a, is a different kind of groaning that we have here. Uh, and it, for those of you, or maybe you've experienced what I have, because I get, in, I get placed in positions where, uh, to pray with people and for people. And there's been times when I actually can say, I don't know what to say. You know, you would, you're say, hoping sometimes that your prayers can offer some hope and some reassurance and some things, but there's times of deep intercession where you just, quite frankly, are not even sure what to say. What Scripture is telling us is that when we are there, and matter of fact, when any, in any prayer that we pray, we have the aid 
of the Holy Spirit with us that can come alongside us in our heart and in our minds. One who is in perfect harmony as part of the Trinity with God the Father. He knows perfectly the will of God and can pray perfectly in within God's will along with us. And for us to just feel that presence of the Holy Spirit with us as we are praying and communing with God because that is what God has made available to us. And that Holy Spirit groans with us in our pain and in our suffering in dealing with life and all it has to throw at us. So to kind of sum all of that stuff up from those sections, as children of God, we are eagerly waiting The future glory that we will experience is indescribable to us at this point. But while we're waiting, all creation along with us is groaning from suffering. But while we groan, we have hope and help through the Holy Spirit. That's what that section is is telling us. So I pulled from that and had some ideas to to, to to pull together six really key ideas or lessons I think that we can learn and that we need to take to heart in dealing with suffering. And so those are listed on your program there. So uh, the first one of those is simply this, is that suffering is normal. Actually, suffering is normal. That is a part of our walk. And it's a part, it's a part of the curse that we're all living under as we live and breathe uh, in the world today. Now, as if you have the opportunity, and I encourage you if you're not, to take the opportunity to get involved with some other people on a more intimate level. Uh, and we, the, how we do that here at Olive Branch is, is we facilitate our, our small group system. And when you have small groups of people getting together, there's a better chance for you to talk and discuss and to learn more about each other's lives. And in that process of learning more about each other's lives, you will have a chance to, to share with some other people your life, and they will be sharing their life with you. One of the things that you'll discover in that process is that you're not the only person that's going through something. Other people are going through stuff. Matter of fact, it's normal. And it kind of goes around the room as, you, as, you, as your group meets from time to time, and different people will be dealing with different things. But the beautiful thing about sharing that is that, like I say, you, you know you're not alone, and you're able to get ministered to at one time, and another time you minister to someone else. So I would encourage you, if you're not a part of a group, to prayerfully consider doing that so you can be, uh, experience that and be a part of that. Number two, suffering is universal. There are no exceptions to that. In uh, Romans 5.12, it tells us, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. So all of us suffer in some way, shape, or form. 100% of us do, whether or not you are a Christ follower. For the non-believer, and you think about this, uh, we have, uh, believers have something to look forward to, but for the non-believer, uh, and you've heard this, this uh, saying bantered about before, is that you know, the idea of life is hell and then you die. For the non-believer, life is hell and then you die and then you experience the real hell. You think it's bad here. 
Now, why some of us seem to suffer more than others, I don't know. I don't know. But uh, number three, you can be assured that suffering is not necessarily my fault. It's not necessarily your fault. And this is important for us to see and to understand here in the church. Because in the church, sometimes we um, mistakenly think that someone is dealing with something because they don't, maybe they don't have enough faith to overcome that. Uh, maybe uh, someone is, is and, and we may think that about ourselves sometimes. I'm not, maybe I don't have enough faith to be healed. But sometimes, uh, I say not necessarily my fault, because sometimes um, our suffering is the result of our sin, right? Uh, we have almost universally have probably have all done something for which we are suffering the consequences of it today. And we live with that. Uh, maybe, may matter of fact, um, even though God has forgiven us, we somehow can't find it within our heart to forgive ourselves for what we have done. Because we may have brought it on ourselves. Sometimes, um, you know, it's not necessarily my fault, but because sometimes it's someone else's sin. Something someone else did. You know, we live in this, in this world that the, the ripple effect from our sin goes out and affects other people. And that happens to us from sometimes. And sometimes things just happen. Sometimes stuff just happens. I just saw in the, a news reel here a couple days ago, maybe you saw this, there's a car is going down the, the road and it gets hit by lightning. I mean, come on. <laughs> come on. I mean, that's a great shot. A moving car with a lightning bolt. I mean, stuff just happens sometimes. And it's all a part of living in this world that's under the curse. We're under the curse, and our world is under the curse as well. So it's just part of that. And then, as I say, suffering is not necessarily my fault, but sometimes suffering is for a purpose. And I've had today already, since uttering these words, I've had several people tell me stories between services about their situation and the good that God showed them the changes in their life. One woman expressed to me that her suffering from breast cancer resulted in her husband coming back to church and getting saved and being baptized. She says she thanks God every day for her breast cancer because of it. her husband was saved through that. I don't know. We don't know. The Apostle Paul um, well, let's not, I'm not there yet. Uh, there's a story, an illustration from the Gospel of John about someone in John chapter 9. It says, as he, and this is Jesus, passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, it was not this, that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. And I got thinking about it. I go, are you kidding me? This guy was born blind, lived to be an adult. So all of those years, he's blind simply for the purpose of being in one spot where this man, Jesus of Nazareth, could come up and rub some mud in his eyes and heal his blindness. 
Just think about that. Just think about the immensity of that. Does that seem fair? No, it doesn't seem fair. It's not fair. But it was God's purpose. Because all suffering points to future glory. So suffering is normal, suffering is universal, and suffering, suffering is not necessarily your fault or mine. And number four, suffering, but suffering may be long-term. This is where we look at the Apostle Paul. Uh, Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, was a man that was afflicted. Uh, he speaks often, oftentimes about this thorn in his flesh. Now, for me, I think this is indisputable proof that he was married, but no. Uh, yeah, I'm smiling now. No, that's an old joke, but it, it, no. anyway, uh, Paul had uh, this physical ailment, and uh, look what he, he says to us about it in 2 Corinthians 12. He says, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Now, should you stop praying after three times for your situation? I don't know the answer to that. Paul seemed to think that that uh, three times before the Lord, and he received his answer, he said, okay, I'm good with that. I'm good with that. I will make go on from here. Scripture also tells us to, to pray unceasingly. So you make the call. As long as you are good before the Lord and understand your place before him, and understand that your suffering may be long-term. But it's never permanent. It is never permanent, eternally speaking. Remember the birth pains example. And the scripture also tells us, and this is number five, that suffering reminds us of our hope. Reminds us of our hope. Uh, We just received uh, one of our little welcome cards. People use those for, for prayer requests oftentimes. And, and we received one here two weeks ago from a woman uh, that's part of our body. Uh, that woman may be in this room right now with us. But this card said, I am really struggling. I keep asking for healing, but God keeps giving me more things that need healing. Feel extreme doubt. In Psalm 119, the psalmist wrote these words. He said, remember your word to your servant in which you have made me hope. This is my comfort in my affliction that your promise gives me life. I would implore you, today, 
brothers and sisters, that if you are suffering from something, to not let, do not let your suffering drive a wedge between you and your Lord. Do not let that happen. I beg you, don't let that happen. Just consider even Jesus, when he was in his, in his earthly ministry, or th- roughly three years of time, he did not heal every single person he encountered. He did not raise everybody from the dead. Matter of fact, he, in that whole time, he only raised three or four people from the dead. And they're all dead now. They died eventually. Okay? So when we, when we do suffer, we need to reflect on our human condition, reflect on who we really are and why we are suffering as sinners in need of grace, in our need for Christ, in listen and cling to his promises and cling to that hope that those promises bring. And then finally, number six, understand that suffering will indeed end. Suffering will end. We're told in 1 Corinthians 15, it says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed, for this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? That is a promise of scripture and it's a promise that we need to cling to. Indeed. Our suffering is not forever. Be reminded and remember the pains of childbirth and the glory at the end of that. As we come through Scripture to the very end of the Bible, the last book of the Bible, and very near the end, the victory chant is told. It's uh, pronounced in Revelations 21, beginning of verse 1. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Yay. 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 There is a time in our future, church, when the curse will be lifted. All things will be restored, and the indescribable will be right before our eyes for us to see in all its glory and for us to experience. The creation will no longer groan. We will no longer groan. And we will have a perfect relationship with the creator. But in the meantime, 
We are here today. And we must wait eagerly with hope. And we have a helper, the Holy Spirit, to guide us and be with us. Now I implore you today, if you've been struggling along in this life without the aid of the helper, don't do that anymore. Stop today doing that. Now perhaps you've been playing along the game. You've been playing the game pretty well. But as you reflect on yourself, you realize, I have been playing the game. I haven't been serious about this. And today may be your chance, your time to draw a line in the sand and say, I am not going to play anymore with this faith of mine. I am ready to take a step forward with God and be serious. If that's you today, I want you to pray with me. Or if you have never, perhaps you've never made a commitment to the Lord. Would you pray with me today for him to come into your life and be a part of you and give you the great helper and that hope that we can have. Let's pray together. Lord God, our Father, glory be to you. Thank you for the truth of your scripture. Thank you for your holy words of encouragement and hope. Lord, I pray and I join my heart together this morning with uh, anyone in this body who has uh, struggled in their relationship with you. And their struggle, Father, we know our struggle has come from not fully giving themselves over to you. And I want to pray for them this morning. Lord, hear these words. Father, please be with them. Fill them with your Holy Spirit. Renew them. Cause them to be born again. To honor you with glory. And to place you uh, and allow you to be the, the ruler of their heart and the ruler of their lives. And then fill them, Father, with hope. As you do all of us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.